You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, my people, we got some great news. We got a new sponsor. We're now being sponsored by Siegel Seguro Auto Insurance out of Texas. They're an amazing auto insurance company made my, by immigrants for the immigrant community, for the Hispanic community, for the undocumented community. They understand our struggles and they want to help us get auto insurance. They do not check your credit score. They do not check your employment. They do not check your education. They're here to help you get the best discounts you can get and understanding your situation specifically if you use the link Sigo Seguros Sigo Seguros slash my undocumented ass you get five percent off your insurance check it out hey welcome to another episode of my undocumented ass podcast we have a great 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 interview today with attorney Kathleen Martinez she works digitally so if you need any services with immigration she works in all 50 states we had great conversations we talked about the changes coming to uscis she explains all the way that you can get your on unlawful status uh waived and she answers some fan questions from the undocumented community check it out (laughs) (laughs) no because i was gonna say with me with all the changes happening you know with the uh immigration process uh, with the times, I thought maybe this would be like a good opportunity for you now as a as an attorney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's kind of changing policy wise right now. So, I mean, it's just like as an attorney, we're just constantly looking at the news every day to see what to do with our clients. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have to start with like the probably the most basic question for you that I get all the time from from a lot of uh, immigrants. What's the difference between a lawyer and an attorney? Because I'm like, she's attorney right. Kathleen Martinez. And I feel like <laughs> if I call you a lawyer, I feel like I'm insulting you. <laughs> Not at all. It's so funny because it's, I guess, attorney, and I only recently learned this, means that you're licensed. So you've passed the bar, but you're still a lawyer. So if you if you haven't passed the bar, you're technically just a lawyer and not an attorney. Um but honestly, no one knows the difference. So I, I still refer to myself as a lawyer, I guess. Okay. <laughs> no, because attorney just sounds a lot more stern. I feel like you work for the district. So I was like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, attorney sounds more like, oh, she must be like a district attorney. You know what I mean? Because that's how you hear it all the time. <laughs> like a lawyer is more approachable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's start a little bit like that before, you know, you know, because uh, if you don't mind, I do have some questions that I posted that I was like, hey, does anybody... Uh, have any questions for attorney Kathleen? So I got a few. If you don't mind, later on we could do a little Q and A. Cool. But okay. Just start a little bit with like I always like to ask people like their background and how you know they got into it. So where are you from and and what was your journey? Be like, you know what? I want to go into immigration. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's kind of crazy, but um, when I was in law school, I interned at immigration firms, and I knew it's really I just I was really interested in the work, and I really liked doing it. I specifically liked the writing. So I liked writing for more like criminal waivers, post deportation stuff. I really worked with, I really liked working with those kind of clients. Um, And then I just kind of got my first job out of law school working in family court and really did not like that. Um, It was super, super tense. Um, But then I started kind of helping them out, my family clients on the side with like their immigration matters because I had a little bit of experience in it. And then, you know, I really just like decided I wanted to work for immigrants full-time because they were just much better clients. <laughs> they 
me well. They were really grateful. They were really kind and I worked well with them. And I consider myself a happy lawyer because I help people, you know, reunite families versus being like a divorce lawyer or personal injury. You know, you might not make people as happy. <laughs> That's actually, so I it's kind of it like that a happy lawyer. You're one of the few that are like, yeah, let's bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be like one to, to help work with me versus like when I was a divorce lawyer, not so much. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because, yeah. Cause you were, you know, we've talked a little bit and you know, you were saying that you could like work with, you know, Europeans and, you know, Canadians and stuff like that, but you especially like to work with like, you know, like the Hispanic undocumented community people, yeah. like, um, you know, like my kind of family, because there is this sense of like, you know, more like, yo, thank you so much for helping us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, well, I would be lying if I said I was just purely doing it for them because it's obviously like I get better clients. They're, they're, they're great to me. I like working with them. We get along and they're just the kindest people, the most grateful, humble people. And I'm like, I feel good, you know, working for these kind of people as well. It's a very good working relationship. My, you know, my husband is an immigrant himself. He was undocumented for a long time and his family has really helped me with that community as well. That's what I was gonna say because the last name Martinez. I was like, wait, because you know, because I was like, where are you from? I was like, are you? I was like, are you Cuban? Yeah. Like, I'm super white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very European. But yeah, um, it's funny. So like, I kind of got more into the you know the Latin community clientele like through my husband. He introduced me to my first few clients as well, and so he's really helped me out. He speaks Spanish, obviously. He's an immigrant himself. He's from Mexico, so yeah. Hence the last name. <laughs> no, it's cool. Uh, oh, he's from Mexico. He came here at a young age. Yeah, he came as a kid, and you know he was just super lucky. He his mom married a U.S. citizen right when she came, so he wasn't undocumented for too long. Um, but he didn't get his you know citizenship until he was an adult. Um, he he wasn't a dreamer or anything, but he kind of relates to a lot of my clients when they're all the same age. They all came as you know a lot of my clients came as children. They were undocumented with their parents, so my husband's always like, "I got so lucky, you know. I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to get DACA. I got you know." A green card really young so he's like i i can relate to them in some ways but in some ways i can't and i yeah. just you know he has a lot of empathy for them in that way is he a lawyer as well no actually he's a it's funny he's a mechanical engineer oh, wow. <laughs> yeah it's funny i mean he works with me because this is the most ironic part when he was an engineer in the summer he worked like for as a part-time job for an immigration attorney because it was better money than like working for an internship <laughs> <laughs> So he actually had a ton of experience before I even met him. He knew how to do family-based petitions. So he's the one, him and I kind of like built the firm together for sure. That's really cool. Yeah, because I see him like on your TikTok, like uh, giving some information. So I thought you guys were like the, the power lawyer couple, but I'm that's still a cool engineer attorney. That's very I cool. <laughs> uh that's i'm glad that you guys are doing that together and yeah helping each other out because that that's really really important i wanted to ask you this and it has to do mostly with tiktok because like i love the way you give out information like there's just uh, a lot of it that and I, I really meant to like when i did the tiktok for you that i was like you know this there's, there's little ways that you're like you give hope to the community that's awesome uh and i wanted to like how do you feel about the backlash that you get from like other people who are not for the community because like when I white post, people yeah when <laughs> i post your videos there are legit like scumbag men who are like she doesn't know what she's talking about i'm like an attorney you're, you're, you're gonna tell me like yeah what is the arrogance on that i know i mean it is so funny like i've never really i've had so much more support like positive feedback versus haters and the best part is i never ever have to stand up for myself because my followers do it for me <laughs> like <laughs> which is really 
Hey, you know, I have a lot of these, like we built such a community and you're definitely part of that undocumented community on TikTok. And I feel like I've been like welcome and accepted by them. Yeah. And these, these immigrants are so amazing that they will just call these people out. And those people end up always deleting their TikTok account. Yeah. <laughs> like they get scared, you know? Yeah. And so like, we don't have to do anything. But honestly, it's like, I think the biggest, most surprising part about the hate that I get on TikTok, it's always from like, I guess it's not surprising, very small-minded, um, very right-wing white people who call me a traitor. <laughs> like, that's, kind of, that's kind of become like a badge of honor, right? Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, right now, like to be an ally is almost like to, to not go far enough. You know what I mean? For people to call you a racist, that's when you know you're doing something right as like a yeah. white individual. Like, who, who am I a traitor to? Because all of us are descendants of immigrants. Like, if anything, I may be a traitor to the Native Americans. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that view of it. It's like, listen, if anything, I'm, yeah, I'm making more other people citizens to this country. That, yeah. That's a, that, that, chef's kiss on that one. <laughs> I know. So funny. Like, I cannot believe the hate I get that people like, who, like, I don't understand who, who I'm like being disloyal to because like my grandparents were immigrants, you know, I was just that they came before. So I didn't have to do it myself, you know, and everybody here who's white came from Europe. So I just, I don't understand that. <laughs> also that, that makes no sense because their logic, all these, you know, right-wing people, their logic is always quote unquote, do it the right way. So these people are hiring a lawyer to yeah, do it the right way. And they're like, you, you traitor. Yeah. I don't understand. Some people's concept of the law, it is, it is, what, okay, yeah, that maybe that's a great point. How did, how do you feel regular people try to interpret the law that it's just like, you are so off? Is that even like a yeah. good question? Because you know what I mean? Like some people just feel like they know the law and you're like, you are so wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's these people who are, I mean, as you can probably guess, super uneducated. I mean, these people did not go to school and they're not reading, you know, they're not trying to get the best source. They're not, they're not, they're not even trying to interpret the law. Like they're being told something based off of politics, based off of small minded people on like, let's say Facebook and they're running with it because they don't want to have to be wrong, you know? And like, I don't know, I wouldn't go on like the doctor's TikTok and tell them like their analysis for like heart surgery, wrong, you know, like, that to an expert but like it's so funny and i'm just like there's nothing that they can do about it <laughs> like, yeah. you know you know it's actually you know i i remember uh i used to have a podcast before this and uh before every episode i would go on and talk about the news you know things that were happening on the news and da, da, da. and i interviewed like uh this lawyer here in philadelphia a very high power lawyer and he listened to the <laughs> podcast and afterwards he told me that he had his whole team listen to the podcast and they go in the beginning when you talk about the news you're not informed you you know you're saying so many things wrong and i'll be honest with you it sounds more embarrassing than it does uh informative and yeah it's probably the harshest critique i've ever gotten in my life but i tell you what i stopped doing that little news segment in the beginning because i realized yeah i'm just reading the first two sentences of an article thinking i know what's yeah. going on and then i jump on and be like you know this is what's happening so yeah, we, some people don't have that. Yeah, we've all done it. I did it this morning when I was, I, I'm in Texas and I was reading that we we're getting tornadoes. And then my husband called me out. He's like, you didn't even read the rest of the article. We're not getting a tornado today. That's going to be like in Oklahoma. I'm like, all right, good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not finish the article. <laughs> it, 
it'll get me like that. I think um I think for TikTok I want to start something like on Fridays called corrections and omissions, or something like that. <laughs> just when instead of me like talking to everybody on TikTok, be like, oh I didn't know that. I just be like, hey, this is everything I got wrong this week because I'm not a perfect human being and stop attacking <laughs> me. <laughs> You know, that's so humble and that's so cool. And I think people would really, really appreciate that. Like you're not a perfect human being and you're willing to call yourself out and correct yourself, which most people are unable to do, especially when they're following like yourself on TikTok. You know what? You know, I think I am going to do it. I think I am going to do a corrections and omissions because there is a lot of stuff that I'm like, ah, I didn't know it went that far. And then I feel like, well, I didn't know, you know, I didn't. I researched. Yeah, I didn't know. I researched my half of it. Here's your half of it. Thank you for telling me. People would actually appreciate like the integrity necessary for that to be able to do that and call yourself out and be like, I got this wrong, but this is right. You know, yeah. most people are willing to do that <laughs> and they can probably relate. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, maybe it'll make people a little more like, maybe we should all do a little corrections and omissions Friday. You know what I mean? Like, get yeah. that going. Uh, I, I want to talk <laughs> about your team because I looked, I, you know, I looked up a lot of your stuff and your team is like, all, are you guys all over the place? Because you work yeah. in all 50 states. Yeah, yeah. So because immigration is federal. So luckily, I set up this firm virtually so that I can kind of cut costs from my clients and my firm. And so we all work from home. So I discovered in the pandemic that I could represent all my clients from home. And they really liked that they didn't have to come see me and bring me documents and like take time off of work and school to be able to like put their application together. So I was like, let's start doing everything virtually. So I kind of built my practice in 2020. That's when I started it. And then I just started hiring people um, all over the country. So they're all like, you know, students or moms or dads, um, and they all work from home and they aren't able to go to some, you know, brick and mortar from nine to five because they have life, you know? And so they love working for the firm because it's convenient. And so, yeah, my entire team was all over the country. They're all immigrants themselves. So that's a requirement for me. And they all speak Spanish. So they really like relate to my clients as well. That, yeah. That, so let's just like go through, since everything's at your, I, I'm used to like going to like a law office, and mm-hmm. like, just you know, like you said, like the whole process of having to take days off. If somebody comes and approaches you, like kind of what, like if they have to go to like a meeting or something, like how do you guys deal with that since it's all digital? Yeah, yeah. So we do have an actual, basically, executive virtual office. We have a brick and mortar that we basically use for like meetings and mail, and I have a receptionist there. Right. Um, so if I have like clients who are a little bit more like let's say they're maybe old school and they want to meet me or they're just, they've had a bad experience with a prior attorney or they've been ripped off by like, let's say a notario. And they're like, if I'm paying you money, I want to meet you. I'm like, for sure. The office is down the street from my house. So I always, yeah, but it's like, you know, it just takes time to go to an office and it takes money and it's just inconvenient for everyone. So um, this has been working so much more. We've been able to get our cases out way faster because we're not time with an office and what is required of it. Okay. That's, that's awesome. And, and then, you know, uh, all those paperwork, like, like I'm saying, like, so if somebody like it's in New York, like they hire you or whatever, do yeah. they have to go to like the office in New York? Cause you're in Texas. No. So they are just able to scan and email me all their documents. I put the applications together and I mail them out. So we really just do like family based out of court kind of stuff. Like gotcha. for the, for the people who are in removal proceedings, I do have to locally see them and represent them in Dallas area. But for clients in any other state, they're really just scanning and emailing us documents. They fill out electronic questionnaires. We put all the applications together. All my paralegals do from home and we have UPS pick it up and send it out. So it's fairly quick. Okay. And 
<laughs> that's awesome I got, I got something coming up in two years that i'm definitely gonna need your team for so i'm wondering like oh everything from home you guys will do all that okay i'm, I'm more asking personal questions right now than i am for the audience so i'm just i apologize yourself and everybody else so it's okay yeah no, i know i got two years i'm like i'm like shook i'm like oh god two more years and we got to get this going again <laughs> I, it just it just sucks every couple of years because you know having to renew stuff it's super annoying the renewals are super annoying they're very inconvenient <laughs> yeah no abs absolutely um I wanted to ask you about some of the stuff that's like, I guess I already kind of asked you a little bit that's happening in the news, but if you kind of just uh, want to just, cause there is a lot of changing that's happening with the, the paperwork. Yeah. So just some of the quick rundowns that people, there are no new paths. It's just things that you're kind of have already been going on are just that there were backlogs. So now everything's just going to be quicker. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so USCIS got so backed up. One, the pandemic, they had no one working during the pandemic, obviously. They had a ton of layoffs. Two, Donald Trump. For obvious reasons, he delayed most applications in almost every entity of immigration. So because it is so delayed, like Biden is now having to do whatever he can to basically like speed up backlogs, which is luckily for a lot of my clients, they're skipping interviews for like low risk cases. Okay. So like marriage-based applications who are very simple, like no criminal history, nothing like flagging their application, they're not even bothering with the interview anymore. So my clients are stoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was another thing too. Like, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I asked a question. Oh yeah, and and just removal conditions. So clients who are removing their two-year conditions, um, they're deciding not to do interviews for cases who aren't obviously big risk as well. So they're very excited. That's awesome. That that's really good. And then I saw something. I think you, somebody said it that uh, work permits, things like that, are getting renewed automatically. Yeah. So for some cases, they are getting renewed automatically. I think they're looking into doing that for DACA, but I'm not sure because it hasn't been put in writing yet. Um, but for a lot of cases, they're actually adding premium processing for work permits. So this was already a thing for like employment based visas, but for family and humanitarian parole now and all that kind of stuff, they're going to just charge a fee, a stupid $1,500 fee. But they're charging a fee to basically have it processed like as soon as possible instead of putting you in a line because the government at the end of the day just wants to make money. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's something where I'm like, uh, I, I know that uh, USCIS uses a lot of the, you know, the fees to fund itself. So that was like kind of the, the snake eating itself where, you know, the pandemic and Trump taking this away also took away their funding. So they got to speed things up to get the money. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm processing for those who can afford it will be super ideal because then people can work you know that's the biggest problem with my clients and they're like I, they just hire me because they're like i just want to be able to work legally and i can't and the work permit is usually a temporary application while you're applying for a green card okay. and you're waiting the united states wants you to work legally they want to pay they want you to pay taxes yeah. you know but like if the work permit's taking a year what's the point of a temporary work permit you'll get your green card by then <laughs> yeah i also found it very annoying the years i had a uh, work permit that it was like my driver's license and my work permit were both linked to the same exact day every year <laughs> so i'm like oh i gotta go to two different places you oh, damn government that's super inconvenient the government's every, the every year and i had to i'll be real with you i had to I, I was living in new york so i had to go to all the way to illinois because illinois was the only state that uh that gave me the uh the ability to get a driver's license without having a social everything at the time so that was like when people were like, man, I got to go to the DMV. I'm like, man, I got to take a flight to my DMV. <laughs> so you don't tell me that you got to spend 20 minutes. I got to spend two days at my mom's house to go to the DMV. Like that. I just complained to my husband about how I had to go to the DMV this morning at five in the morning. I'm like, this is super inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me humble you a little bit. Looking right to the camera. Yeah. No. That's cool that you 
that research though, because so many of my clients don't know that they can go to another state and get a driver's license. Like they don't, they travel without ID, they get themselves in trouble and you can totally get a driver's license. So that's awesome that you already knew that. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I was uh, happenstance, you know, I got very lucky. My mother just happened to move to Illinois and she was like, hey, they actually give license here pretty easily. And I was like, well, I got to go there because New York was just like, no, they wouldn't. I, I, I kept getting stopped all the time with those Illinois plates, but whatever, you know, it's, you know, it's yeah. least of my problems. Uh, what was I gonna, uh, there was something else before I asked you some questions. Oh, um, I guess this one's more for like the international stuff, the title 42 and all that, um, you know, COVID restrictions and all that stuff. That's all being lifted as well. Right. It that comes, it goes into effect in May. Uh, correct. So okay. far it's supposed to be happening in May. So if somebody, okay. So does that mean like even people like who have applied for like a family thing also have to go through more COVID restrictions or is that no. For people at the border, at the border. so okay. yeah basically when they come to the border usually from mexico applying for asylum or you know people in ukraine are doing that in mexico as well or refugee status um they'll try to apply for it at the border because they don't have the time or the luxury to like apply from their own country yeah. um, and so they're you know covid basically slowed down that process like like crazy and they weren't able to get people through the border and hence the like all the articles about how these lines of immigrants at the border is because Basically, like, you know, the border patrol was just like a mess. They were super disorganized. And half of that is due to Title 42. So lifting those restrictions will basically speed up the asylum process. Yeah. And like, yeah, so usually when you go to the border, you're given um, a credible fear interview. So you're given this interview to determine if you actually have a fear of returning, because unfortunately, a lot of people claim asylum when they don't actually have like, you know, a basis for it. They're right. just coming here to immigrate and I don't blame them, but right. they don't have able to bring them so their only resort is like asylum so you kind of have to face it so if you pass this interview at the border um they'll usually put you in removal proceedings for like and you'll have like two to three years and you'll wait but what they're trying to do is if you pass that interview they're trying to process your application within six months or less so they'll let you affirmatively apply at uscis instead of immediately getting put in removal proceedings so they're kind of giving you a chance to fight your case before you have to really fight it as a defense um, I don't know, honestly, how they're going to realistically do this with how many people are at the border, but I'm hoping that it'll really speed up for people specifically claiming and trying to apply for asylum. Okay. And before I ask you these questions, I, I was trying to figure this out with my with my partner uh, a few days ago when we started listening to more about the border. What is it about Mexico that so many people just go there first? Is it that their laws on sort of paperwork and immigration is a lot more lax and people cause tend to go there first? Yeah. So, I mean, you mean like going there, trying to live there or just crossing to get here? Well, I, I mean, maybe I'm going to be wrong. I might be going on TikTok, but I was watching this TikTok where Mexico has a very large undocumented community that is yeah. not bothered. They are actually able to work freely. There's a lot of white Americans who are like, I've never applied for citizenship here and I'm not doing it anytime soon, baby. And Mexico's <laughs> like, whatever, just don't try to invade us again. You know what I mean? Like, so it just it just seems like Mexico just has a little more like lax on the undocumented community. Yeah. And they just are, they're way more chill down there. And sometimes like some, some, I have some people call me and they're like, Hey, I live in like Guatemala. Obviously it's really bad down there. And they, they're like, I want to come to the United States. I, and sometimes I end up talking them into maybe staying for Mexico for a while. Cause I'm like, Mexico is not bad. It's a massive country. So there's a reason why people rarely get asylum approved when they're from Mexico is when you apply for me asylum, you have to prove that you cannot go anywhere within that country without escaping harm. 
tiny countries like Guatemala, a little bit harder to escape that harm because it's like run by gang members and cartels. Um, Mexico is so big that it's more, more of a reality that you can probably escape it, even though that's not a reality for some of my clients who've gotten approved. But a lot of them, you know, the judge will be like, it's a big country. You can go somewhere else. I, so, I understand what the psychology is. It kinda, it, the yeah. psychology kind of makes sense, but I understand. Kinda, yeah. Still makes me mad because I have some clients who are like, you know, it's more about culture. And, and let's say they're like, you know, like I had a client who was transgender and um, she got approved for asylum and it was awesome because she was from Mexico. And I was like, this might be an uphill battle. They might play the geography argument, but honestly, like given the culture in Mexico, we made a good argument. And she was like, no matter where I go in Mexico, I'm going to be treated differently. And I fear the way I'm going to be treated. Um, and so then she got approved for asylum because it was more of a cultural argument. And we kind of implemented that into the whole geography argument as well. So like Southern, yeah. So oh, I'm crazy. so happy you did that for her. Thank God Me you did too. that for her. Yeah. I mean, she, I rarely take asylum cases because it's like, especially in Trump era, like attorney, we just, the our, the law was basically determined for us. It's like, we could not get approved for asylum no matter what, because it's so hard to beat that standard. But for a client like her, I was like, oh yeah, I think you're going to win. <laughs> like for sure. So now she's oh, Thank God you took that. I'm, I'm so happy you took that seriously. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's let's let's. Uh, I don't want to keep you up for too much longer. Maybe like ten more minutes. Where are we at, Jesse? We're like at thirty, twenty-three. Oh, cool, 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 cool. We'll ask a few of these questions and then we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll see where we're at. Uh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, these all come from TikTok, so I'm also gonna put it down here at the bottom. We'll make some, uh, give people their their shout outs. Okay. Uh, this one's from Kiet GTO Downtown. Okay. Uh, my son is in the Navy. I have a I have a petition through U.S. citizen husband, but I am currently waiting on waiver approval. I was wondering if I should also file a military parole in place to avoid going to Juarez. Yeah, you can. So basically how you can get a green card and where you go to get it depends completely depends on how you entered. So if you enter unlawfully, it's more likely than not that you've accrued enough unlawful presence that you'll need to get a waiver to get that unlawful presence forgiven. Okay. So technically the rule is if you've been here basically more than 180 days unlawfully, you're gonna have to get a waiver. Cause if you don't and you leave the country, you can't come back for 10 years. They, a lot of people say the 10 year ban or 10 year bar. That means they basically didn't get that waiver done before they left the country for their interview. So, but sometimes if you enter legally or you get some kind of status temporarily, um, you can use that to adjust from basically your legal entry or temporary status to green card status while staying in the country. So there's this thing called parole in place and it's awesome. It's basically available to like immediate family members of either active duty or veteran status, like um, people. So those military members can petition for them to have some kind of, it's just, it's like kind of like DACA, it's parole. So you're not going to get kicked out and you get work authorization. Now, for some people, it's not great because it's not permanent residency, but if you're able to petition through a family member like she is, you can use that to adjust your status, meaning you stay in the country, you don't need a waiver and you don't need to leave. So like you save a lot of time, you save a lot of money. I mean, she's already waiting on a waiver, but if she's scared of going, you know, like back to Juarez, like a lot of people are, she can use this to basically like reroute her application, get a work permit and not leave the country. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That that's something that a lot of people um try to like debate me on. It's like, you no, know, once you're here, you know, without papers and that's it, you can't get status again. You know, you look no, no. Yeah, and I get that 
that too because people just think they're like wait i've been here unlawfully for like 50 years how am i just able to get a green card i'm like basically the rule of thumb is if you have one illegal entry and you've never left you're good you can get a green card you just need to waive it you just need to submit that pardon while you're in the country but if you left and come back like more than once that's when you start having issues but for those people yeah you're completely able to get a green card Thank you for that. Like for my, like for myself, like I came here once with a visa and then like I overstayed the visa. So it's kind of like the same thing. I could just, you know, you're going to Yeah, you don't have to leave the country and you don't need a waiver, which is ideal. <laughs> awesome. Good to know. Uh, this was from Mexi 101. I am a DACA recipient after I get married this year. Congratulations. Can <laughs> I file for a green card? And if so, how soon? How do I even begin the process? Yeah, I mean, so every family-based petition, like I said, it kind of depends on how you entered. So assuming if she entered unlawfully as a minor, that's probably why she got DACA. Um, the cool thing about DACA is if you got it before you turned 18 and you've maintained it ever since, you technically don't need a waiver because you don't have unlawful presence. Unlawful presence starts at 18. So when you're a minor, it's like you're here legally. Now, if she got her DACA on time and she's maintained it, basically it's just a family-based petition um, she will have to go to her home country, but she'll save like $5,000 in an extra year on a waiver, um, which is really cool. So if she did enter legally like you and overstayed, then, um, you know, DACA is, isn't really relevant. You're still able to get a green card from your spouse. Yeah, that's I, I said this as a joke once, but I didn't realize how real it was that uh, somebody asked me, like, what's it like, you know, being undocumented in the United States since you were a kid? And I was like, it's like. The government is really, really kind to you as a kid. Like they love you, you know, healthcare, school, everything. But then as soon as you turn 18, they kind of push you away and go run. And you're like, what just happened with our relationship? Oh, how? Like you're that's how my parents were with me. Like they would count down the days until I was 18 so that I'd leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, see ya. <laughs> That's what was so shocking about like the government be like at 18, all these like, whoa, this wasn't what it was just last month. Yeah, I mean, who who is self-sufficient at 18? You're not developed. You don't have a job. You don't have a career or like a, a degree. You know, like how are you supposed to just have status at 18? It doesn't make any sense. Of course, you're going to include a lawful presence. If you didn't get lucky enough to get DACA, of course, you're going to need to do a waiver. It's just so much more work. It's actually true. Yeah, DACA came... Uh, into being um, when I was 21, 22. So I was already like, you know, for a program that wasn't there, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Wow. Dang, I didn't even realize that at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, DACA is like super important to so many of those applicants. But if you weren't lucky enough to fit in it, it's like your waiver. A lot of lawyers charge like a minimum 5,000 for one of those waivers. They're like 300 page documents. It sucks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad at least some of the people who were able to get DACA can do that. Right. Um, I filed for a stat. Oh, this is from a uh, Petty Petty Guapa. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> I filed for a status adjustment with my husband. Got rejected. Divorced several years after. I'm going to be getting married again. Could I reapply? Yeah. So they basically USCIS looks at your applications as a whole, and that's it. I call it the four corners argument. They're not going to consider your other applications or your other marriages. They're looking at your marriage on that piece of paper in front of them. So you really just have to prove that you're married for the right reasons. I mean, these people at USCIS, they're not the most sophisticated in the people in the world. They're just trying to see all they're trying to check is if you're married for the right reasons. So if you've met each other, if you live together, if you've been together for a while, you have nothing to prove. I mean, we've gotten green cards for people 
people who literally have only met once, but they were like super in love, you know, like the phone and stuff, but like, they're really just trying to look for fraudulent marriage. So if you had a prior prior petition, that's actually super normal because most spouses want to help each other out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I remember. (laughs) It doesn't mean you're up to something just because you petitioned before. Yeah. You can get remarried too. There is like, people just get remarried all the time. Like it happens. But but when we do it, it's like, is it illegal? No, people get remarried all the time. I remember yeah. I was freaking out like for months, you know, because I was married and that was the first time I actually, you know, put in application for my temporary status. And right. I remember going to the interview, just freaking out, being like, no, we know each other. We've been together. And the woman just goes, so where'd you guys meet? And we both <laughs> just happened to go high school, which is true. And then she yeah. goes, all right, approved. And I was like, that's it. All I had to say was high school, <laughs> high school. That's all this worry that's it. It's maddening. Yeah, because they usually determine your case before you even walk in there. That's why, like, a lot of my clients, I'm like, you do not need me at that interview unless they royally try to, like, screw you over. It's not going to happen. Yeah. They already know if you're going to get approved or denied before you go in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was just like, I was like, oh, my God, that was the quickest That's interview so- of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we got two more. Yep, we got two more. And then, uh, okay. Uh, if if you, uh, this is from Chief. Oh, Chai Town Guera. So many Gueras on my on my, <laughs> on my TikTok. Uh, if you apply for citizenship and was approved, but never followed up or scheduled an interview, is it still okay to reapply? Yeah, um, you can always reapply as many times as you want. We've done that for a lot of clients who like missed their interview and they kind of like USCIS basically made us redo it, which is annoying because they still have the application on file. It's not like they throw it out. What I was saying is that basically, yeah, you can reapply as many times as you want um, and there will be no repercussions of like missing your interview. Okay, all right, cool. Just wanted to make sure. Thank you so much for that question. We'll we'll do one more and then uh, we'll let you, uh, if you want to plug anything. Let me see. What was this one? Uh, Mammoth. <laughs> Sorry, I, t- I realized I didn't read these names. <laughs> they framed the question. <laughs> so you're like a professional attorney that's about to hear from Mammoth Coochie Grip. Oh, that's <laughs> remarkable. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, but the question is good. It's a good question. Okay, because I have uh, I have parents who have uh, who have backgrounds and you know criminal backgrounds so it's very difficult when our parents have this uh, yeah my dad was charged with two misdemeanors almost 15 years apart he's in the process of removal but we petitioned for him since i'm a citizen will it help him stay yes so this is the craziest part and a lot of people don't know to do this they think if they're in removal proceedings there's nothing they can do but if you have someone who's able to get you a green card in your family member you can go ahead and have them petition for you and basically that you have to get the timing right because by the time you're up for your green card interview you go to the judge you tell the judge i have an interview i want you to close my case and they will more often than not, they'll close the case because they have no interest in deporting people who have like eligibility for a green card outside of the court. So it actually gets you out of being removed most of the time. Okay. Wow. Then yeah, definitely. If if you could petition for anybody, that's that that's a yeah. great way to. Yeah, because that's my issue. Like a lot uh, I have with my parents is that they have like criminal backgrounds, and then they right. they're so freaked out of like applying because you know they don't know how that's going to be a factor in it. Yeah. Well, most crimes actually are waivable. They'll probably just need a waiver with the exceptions of crimes against moral turpitude. And that's not like a specific set of crimes. It's basically anything aggravated 
having to do with like women, children, really, really bad kind of like heinous crimes, but like, and you know, like a misdemeanor theft. Okay. DUI is completely okay. Most crimes you'd be surprised are actually not even like, they don't even require a waiver for. So it's, it's, it's more narrow and it's more surprising than you think when you have a criminal background. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, let's say for example, like <laughs> selling drugs to like businessmen, like very 80s style, like, you know, Wall Street kind of thing like that. That's a crime, but you can get that waived. Yeah, well, there's an exception to there's one criminal exception right now. And if it's if it's marijuana, less than 30 grams and older than 15 years, they don't care about it. Um, so that's kind of yeah. So a lot of that's why a lot of my drug crimes are waivers are those kind of cases. But I did actually just have an approved waiver with this case that I told him, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to get approved. I'm not going to lie to you because this guy was charged with like paraphernalia possession in England in like 1990, I mean, forever ago. I was like, obviously it's older than 15 years, but England doesn't keep criminal records that long. So he couldn't prove that it was less than 30 grams. And I was like, well, did you get in trouble? He was like, I was charged 50 euros, that's it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna make the argument that is obvious that is less than 30 grams if you only had to pay 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, so it got approved because I had to make all these crazy arguments for it. But yeah, that's kind of the standard when it comes to like drug crimes. But some drug crimes are actually still waivable if like basically like the statutes in that case, there's a statute of limitations that allows it to be okay in criminal court. Then they will sometimes allow it in immigration court, depending on the state that it was convicted. Because that is also like people, you know, with the greenery nowadays in some states being legal, but yeah, it's technically not legal for us. Mm-mm. It's not for it because immigration is federal law. So it's really confusing because the, because they're able to do that, like, you know, despite immigration. So like civil criminal court, they're not going to get charged. But in immigration, they still can't be doing that stuff. So it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> OK, OK, so not trying to find a loophole, but then let's just say this. Let's say I have a legit medical card. Yeah, still not recognized under federal, even a medical card. Sometimes it is. Um, there's waivers for that, and you can do a waiver. It's basically like a medical waiver to try to explain that it is medical. Um, and I have gotten that approved for some of my clients. They're just super, super specific about it. Cheech and Chong are the only two who could really apply and get that, get that approval. <laughs> I get it. It's a very specific niche market. <laughs> yeah, very, very tiny, narrow window that you can fit in with the whole medical thing, but it's, it's doable. <laughs> Cheech Martin rule. I get it. Cheech and Chong rule. Um, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you answering all these questions and everything for me today. Uh, anything you want to like, uh, let people know about how to find you and everything. Yeah. I mean, just follow us on TikTok. <laughs> you know, like TikTok is like the best way to educate people. Basically my point in TikTok is to tell people very like fast, easy ways to get status that they might not know of, you know, I think TikTok is like the modern Wikipedia at this point, you know, I learned yeah. so much on TikTok. So just follow us and, you know, and it's a great way to learn about a lot of people call me and they're like, I didn't know I could get status that way. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I could get a waiver for this and I'd be okay. You know, they just don't know. So I love like the more people who knew that they're eligible, the better for me. That's I, I love that. Um, for your TikTok, I know you have uh, attorney Kathleen Martinez. Does your uh, law office also have one itself? Um, my law office doesn't, it's really just been mine, but my paralegals are starting to do their own, which I'm very excited about. They're starting to do it in Spanish. Um, we work with Evelyn Juarez official. If you guys follow her on TikTok, she does like Spanish stuff for us too. 
Um, but yeah, we're on Instagram as attorney Martinez as well. And I, I do Q and A's, I think every other day on Instagram. So definitely a, a lot more questions answered on there. And if they want to check out your site directly is, uh, attorney Martinez. It's just Martinez immigration.net. Martinez immigration.net. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this will probably go up in like two weeks and I'll let you know right away and everything we do with no. it. I really appreciate I your time. Much. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Stay safe. Mi gente, tengo buena noticia. Ahora tenemos un nuevo sponsor. Estamos sponsor por Sigo Seguros de Seguro de Auto. Ella es una compañía nueva de Texas, específicamente criada para servir la comunidad latina, hispana, indocumentada. Okay? Ellos no chequean crédito, no chequean educación, no chequean empleo. Y ellos eh, usan cualquier identificación que tiene de otro país o de otro estado para poder ayudar a ustedes a obtener seguro de auto. ¿Ok? So, si quieren chequear Mar, por favor, vayan a la página de ellos, sigoseguro.com slash myundocumentedass. Y si usan el link, pueden obtener 5% de descuento para su seguro de auto. This has been a Drop Tent Media production.